my privilege to introduce our pastor again this morning, speaking on the sufficiency of grace, part two. If you missed last week, check out our website for the, uh, I don't know if we call it a podcast or a message cast, but it's up there. And here it is live. Pastor Cameron, would you welcome him? Thank you, Lord. Just uh, encourage you to open your heart, open your minds, maybe open your hands to signify that. And uh, Holy Spirit, we just confess that uh, apart from you, we can't understand anything. We can't do anything. Uh, we have no strength. But uh, because of you, we can do all things through Christ. And that you are poured out uh, upon us, uh, Jesus promised that whenever we gather together in his name, Jesus, you promised to be here. And so we welcome you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for showing up, for coming to church. We believe you're here in a very real way. Lord, we believe your word that you did not uh, leave us uh, as orphans, but you sent your Holy Spirit to be our companion and to open and uh, illuminate our minds to understand your word. And so we just ask that you do that this morning. And just uh, help us in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start. We're going to read uh, through 7 and 8. Uh, oops, I lost my place. Discussed uh, this last week, so I'm not going to go back over 7 and 8, but we'll read it. <clears throat> Talking about the sufficiency of grace. Um, 12, 7 says, And least I should, this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth, uh, and this was a real church, Christians, not that unlike you and I, just a couple thousand years ago. And uh, Paul was explaining to them uh, why they should accept his authority as an apostle. <clears throat> and the, the, the conclusion or the, the convincing point after listing all of his accomplishments and, and um, the things that he'd gone through is actually something that he was suffering. And he says in verse 7, "...least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, uh, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, <clears throat> lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart. And he said to me, God spoke to Paul and said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon you. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, and persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. <clears throat> Again, I talked about the uh, 7 and 8 last week, so we want to look at verse uh, 9 and 10 particularly. It says, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So strength is perfected in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me before I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches and needs, persecutions, distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am then I'm strong. 
And I really want us to just kind of ask, just let's just pray again. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you help us understand what this means. It was significant enough for Paul that you would, you spoke to him directly, that your grace is sufficient. And Lord, each one of us has, uh, struggles, has, uh, things that, that hinder us, or restrict us, thorns in our flesh. And so I just pray that you give us supernatural understanding of sufficiency of your grace. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> the idea of the word sufficient uh, is raising a barrier. All right? <clears throat> uh, and this is just a quote from a dictionary. Uh, from a dictionary of the original language, a Greek dictionary. <clears throat> Properly to ward off, um, and that is by implication to avail, to be satisfactory or sufficient. So raising a barrier. <clears throat> Another definition is to be possessed of unfailing strength. Say unfailing. Unfailing, unfailing strength. To be strong, to suffice. To be enough, to ward off. So there's this idea of protection or a barrier or something that is uh, strong enough to protect. Um, <clears throat> to ward off against danger, uh, particularly. To ward off against danger. And then the English de- dictionary it says enough or equal to the end proposed. <laughs> Isn't that... Equal to the end proposed. Ah, I thought that was good. (laughs) Equal to the end. In other words, enough for what is required. Alright? To get the results done. Uh, Let me read some other. Qualified. Adequate. Competent. Possessing, this is in regard, if this word was used concerning a person, someone possessing adequate talents or accomplishment as a person sufficient for an office. In other words, you're qualified for the job. You can do it. Able, competent, competent power or ability. One translation translates it, all you need. Grace is all you need. Amplified puts it, it's enough. It's enough for you. Sufficient against any danger and enables you to bear the trouble manfully. <laughs> I like that. I put in manfully. Like, you can take it like a man. All the women say, Amen. <laughs> okay? The picture that, that, as I was studying this, I was trying to get my... My brain around this idea of that grace is sufficient. We need to understand, uh, <clears throat> in order to benefit from this, we need to cause it to go beyond just an intellectual idea and, and down to a heart level that God's grace really is enough. Alright? It's not like, yeah, I have grace and I need something else. That that grace is sufficient. And <clears throat> especially the idea of a barrier, I just hit a, I just, Came back to memory of the levees in uh, in uh, uh, New Orleans, right? What was that? A couple of years ago? <clears throat> no. Five years ago this week. Five years ago this week? 
Wow! Must be anointed. <laughs> you know, if the rain don't stop, the levee's going to break. Rain don't stop. The levee's going to break. Never. Okay. Well, somebody got it. <coughs> Dan Jeffries got it. Where's Dan? You got it? <laughs> I was actually in the city uh, uh, in, in the Netherlands <coughs> and a little town called Wilnes. This is a little teeny town in, in the Netherlands. And, uh, uh, you know, they have levees everywhere in the Netherlands, right? I mean, everywhere. The houses are on this level and the water right next to the house is like above the house. And you just look at it and go, huh? There's only a little bit of dirt in between you. Just it just doesn't seem like it should work. <laughs> but <clears throat> and uh, this one city, the levee broke, and it flooded this whole town. And the guy who was here was like this. It, they were still doing repairs, and he said it was unheard of. His whole life, he was my age, and he had never heard of a levee breaking in all of his life. And and then <clears throat> a couple of years later, I met some people from the Netherlands, and I mentioned I'd been to the Netherlands, and I said it was a little town you probably never heard of, Wilnes. And she said, oh, where the levee broke. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I was, I was right there, right there. <clears throat> and, uh, and so it just it brought the devastation. And, of course, in uh, uh, New Orleans where the levees broke because they were old and not, they weren't sufficient, were they? When the hurricane came and the, and the waters rose and the, and the and, um, storm uh, flood, I forget, the surge, the water surge, storm surge, <clears throat> came up against the levees, they weren't sufficient, and so they broke. And all the water rushed in. All right, And what took years, what took decades, what took generations to build up was devastated by the flood because the levee wasn't sufficient. <clears throat> God's grace is sufficient. All right, And so that's a negative example of <clears throat> the New Orleans... Is a negative example of when, when something's not sufficient to stand against the surge of, of the water and it broke <clears throat> and what it caused was, was mass devastation. Well, God's grace is a levy that is sufficient. That when there's a tidal wave of opposition or whatever the enemy or life uh, uh, comes or the flood that comes, there's something that stands that is sufficient, that is able, that is competent to protect, to ward off. All right, and I just saw us like hiding behind that levy or that that <clears throat> structure of His grace to protect ourselves when the waves of the enemy come. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 59, it says, When the enemy comes in like a flood, Isaiah 59:19, When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard, a standard against him. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. And so the Spirit of the Lord is going to raise up a standard. What's the standard? The Redeemer. Jesus. Right? In uh, John 1.16, it says, And of His fullness, Jesus' fullness, we have all received grace for grace. What is the standard? The standard is Jesus. What does Jesus bring? He brings grace. All right. For Again, in, in John 1.16, it says, The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, By grace 
You've been saved. You've been protected. You've been made whole. Alright? Through faith. And that's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. And so this standard that's sufficient to ward off, to be a defense and a protection against the floods and the onslaught of the enemy is grace. And it's enough. It's, it's sufficient. I was thinking this morning that, you know, God's sufficiency. What is, you know, we, when we use that term, we might think, well, it's just barely enough. <clears throat> and in, in your experience, on a subjective level, it may feel like it's just barely enough. Alright? Well, it's sufficient to get me through. I got barely enough, you know. It's like, a, you know, your finances. <laughs> yeah, I can just barely pay the bills, right? You know, I get through the week. Oh, that was close. But from the, the truth is <clears throat> that God's... I, what I saw this morning was, when I, when I was preparing the message, I kind of saw a, a levee. And I don't, do you all know what a levee looks like? You know, it's just basically a hill, a dirt, <laughs> a pile of dirt. <laughs> Most levees are, you know, sometimes they're made out of stone, but basically just a big hill of dirt <clears throat> that holds back the water. And I kind of saw us hiding behind this... Uh, Bank, you know, and, and the water comes in, or it's a picture of a wall that you can hide behind. But this morning I saw us standing on the edge of this, this wall that was like the waves maybe 12, 15 feet, but the wall was like 500 feet. You know, I mean, really, when God says, Hey, my grace is enough, what proportionately God's sufficiency compared to your problem? Right. Off the charts! But if we don't accept that, if we don't believe that, if we don't embrace that, if we don't act on the fact that the, the, the provision of His grace is exponentially more than I need to endure whatever the enemy throws at me, if we don't embrace that, then we respond and react and we emote. Our emotions are controlled by the fear of the storm surge instead of the sufficiency of His grace. You know? And that's, that's, that's the message. That's what changed everything for Paul. It wasn't the removal of the thorn. It wasn't the uh, removal of the messenger of the enemy. It was the realization of the absolute sufficiency. Absolute sufficiency. Of God's grace. God does nothing halfway. God does nothing partially. Okay, you have to accept this. He's omnipotent. It is against his, it is, it is, he is incapable of doing something halfway. Alright? It's just nonsense. To think that God would do the job halfway and then like get tired of it. Yeah. Right? He doesn't slumber, he doesn't sleep. It's not like, well, I gave you enough grace, but I gotta take a nap. You know, this is ridiculous, right? His grace is sufficient. It's sufficient. Say it's sufficient. All right. <clears throat> it says, my strength. Now, God says this to Paul, and God's trying to say this to you and I, that my strength, God's strength, He makes it personal. 
He didn't just say to Paul, you know, uh, objectively, strength is sufficient. I believe that there was a personal... God's personally involved with your struggle. Because He cares for you. He says, My strength is made perfect in weakness. And that, that the word strength, <clears throat> and then later the word power, <clears throat> is both the word dunamis, uh, which is a Greek word that means the power residing in something by virtue of its nature. Alright? The power that's within something by virtue of the nature of it. Alright? A light bulb has no power whatsoever. Okay? Right? If I had, I should have had the light bulb up here. It will not emit light unless you connect electricity to it. Alright? Once you connect electricity, boom, there's light. A river that's moving has inherent power. Right? Try to stop it and you'll find out how much. Okay? So there's power within it. God has inherent power. Alright? And so the power that is available, the strength that's made perfect or brought to completion is the strength that's within God by virtue of His nature, by, by virtue of who He is and His, his character. <clears throat> it says, is perfected. This word here means to bring to completion. And the idea is a linear thought, okay? That the power is continually increased as the weakness grows. Yes. <laughs> the, the power continually increases as the weakness grows. The weaker you get, the more power God's able to manifest in and through you. All right? God's inherent power and virtue, His very nature, is brought to completion and fullness in and through our weakness. So think about this. How can we see an increase? How can you see an increase of God's manifest power and nature in your life? How can we best demonstrate Jesus and His virtue, His nature, His strength, and His power? You know, we think it's through our gifts or our strengths or our accomplishments, and we can do that in part. But it's something about our weaknesses that enable God to really show forth His nature and His power. God's virtue is most clearly revealed through our weakness. And think about the cross, okay? Think about Jesus Christ. You know, when was His, when was the victory won? Was it when He was on the Mount of, uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount and preaching this eloquent message to, uh, to the thousands? No. Was it when He was walking on water? Getting across the lake? No. Alright? Was it when He was healing people or raising people from the dead? No. When was the victory won? When He was beaten. When He was naked. And when to every observer, He was completely and utterly powerless, hanging on a cross, bleeding, being mocked, spit on, and dying. And in His death, the moment of greatest weakness, BOOM! The curse was broken over all mankind. His greatest victory was accomplished the moment of His greatest, the demonstration of His, and the experience of His greatest weakness. Right? Everybody go, wow. Ooh. <coughs> 
commentators had concerning this verse is says the strength which I impart or God imparts to my people is more commonly and more completely manifested when my people feel that they are weak. It is not imparted to those who feel that they are strong and who do not realize their need of divine aid. It is not so completely manifested to those who are vigorous and strong as to the feeble. It is when we are conscious that we are feeble and we feel our need that the Redeemer manifests His power to uphold and imparts His purest consolations. Ha! Another commentator writes this, says, The Lord has more need of our weaknesses than our strength. The Lord has more need of our weaknesses than our strength. Our strength is often His rival. Our weakness, His servant. Our strength is often His rival. Our weakness, His servant. Drawing on His resources. You see? When we have strength, we can draw on our resources. But when we're weak, we can draw on His resources. And showing forth His glory. Man's man's extremity is God's opportunity. Man's security is Satan's opportunity. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. It's just a quote. (laughs) God's way is not to take His children out of trial, but to give them strength to bear up against it. Had this, I had a conversation. I was up in Toronto all this last week. Kathy and I were able to go to a school. We just sat in classes, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day, and just people preached on us, prayed for us, and it was pretty cool. <laughs> it was great. <clears throat> it was good, and had an opportunity to talk to Dan Slade. He's over our association, travels all over the world. We were talking about someone who was going through a severe trial, uh, and and we weren't talking about this all right, sermon. It was. Nothing at all about that. We just happened to be talking about someone, what they were experiencing. And in, even in the midst of this terrible situation, <clears throat> they were seeing God's grace. And, and, and Dan just said, there's something about brokenness. He just said, you know, there's something about brokenness. God is attracted to brokenness, okay, is what he said. <clears throat> and we can do all the right stuff. You know, we're doing good. Everything's okay. It's not like we're doing wrong. God blesses that. But when there's brokenness, God shows up in a, in a more powerful way. It's almost like He's attracted. Brokenness. Being broken. Not being arrogant. The opposite of being arrogant, you know. The opposite of being self-sufficient, but being God-sufficient. It doesn't mean you're, you, you can't do anything, you're, you know. But you can't do anything without Him. All right? That your sufficiency is in Him. And then we find, you know what? We can do everything. But in our heart, we just realize, the more we realize how broken we are, the more God, the more opportunity that God gives God to show up. And that's why Paul says, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmity. I'm going to brag about my, my limitations. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. He was seeking that power of Christ. God's nature revealed in and through Him. Not His own strength. And to rest upon literally means to fix a tent 
or habitation upon. All right. So the idea, the picture here is that <clears throat> that like in uh, Paul's uh, weakness, he was enduring this this affliction. God just was going to come and and camp out over top of him. And so you have Paul inside God's tent, you know, and God overshadows. God moves in upon our weaknesses. And uh, it's just, uh, I hope you can get the picture of it. It's kind of spooky almost. It's, uh, yeah, it's like a landing pad for God. He dwells there. Uh, this word is used uh, at the Mount of Transfiguration. If you're familiar with the story, Luke 9, 33 and 34, it says, Then it happened as they uh, were parting from him. <clears throat> uh, this is uh, Moses and Elijah came and talked to Jesus. <laughs> And John, Peter, John, and uh, Peter, John, and James was it? <clears throat> uh, were up on the mountain with him, and they saw Jesus transformed. And Moses showed up, and Elijah showed up, and uh, they were talking to Jesus about uh, what he was going to do. And <clears throat> uh, they were going to leave. And, and uh, Peter says to Jesus, "His Master, it's good for us to be here. Like this is really good, Jesus. <laughs> How many would like to experience that?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said, let's make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. <laughs> not knowing what he said. <laughs> Peter said it, like not realizing how stupid it was. <laughs> and while, he, while he was saying what I like, I never realized this till uh, this study. So while, while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And the word overshadowed, overshadowed is actually tabernacled. Okay. Yeah, he just was thinking in the natural, but God said that's exactly what I'm gonna. That's exactly what I'm doing in the spiritual. Uh, I'm gonna tabernacle, but it was the God's presence, and, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. So this cloud came and rested, and God. That's what it was like. That cloud coming, that, and that's what we experience when we experience weakness in faith. All right. No pray to God that you visibly see it like Peter did. That would be cool. But it's all, it's the same reality. It's the same promise. That's what the promise is when he says my grace is sufficient. Is that his grace is going to come when in your weakness and cover you. God's saying I got you covered. Alright? To say it in modern terminology. <clears throat> That the power of Christ may rest upon me, Clark writes, <clears throat> that it may overshadow me as a tent or tabernacle, affording me shelter, protection, safety, and rest. Paul, knowing that the promise of grace could not fail because of divine truth, says, Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my affliction that the power of Christ may overshadow and defend me. The same words, or these words are very similar to an Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. God promised that the Lord would create above every dwelling place in Zion and above her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night, reminiscent of the Israelites as they left Egypt. But there was a promise that this would happen in the lives of every dwelling place in Zion, each person's home, each person's life, as well as their assemblies. For over all the glory there will be a covering, and there will be a tabernacle for shade in the daytime and a 
rest for heat and a place of refuge and a shelter from storm and rain. In other words, that this is an Old Testament prophecy. It was fulfilled. <clears throat> it was uh, Paul draws attention to it in his own personal struggle, but it's available. That same truth is available for you and I. God's promised it that God uh, God gives the glory. And God gives the defense of that glory. All right. Uh, the, the, the Paul had glory. He had honor. He had all this revelation. And God was the one who was protecting that. It wasn't Paul's strength, and Paul needed to be reminded of that. But God's grace was sufficient. Was able to do so. Another thing that it says is grace alone can preserve grace. Grace alone can preserve grace. <clears throat> Paul and all human beings are weak. We need the power of God to defend, to raise up a defense, to be that barrier, to defend the glory that He has put in our lives. So grace preserves grace. When we get a particular blessing, we need another to preserve it. And without this, we shall soon be shorn or shorn of our strength. Our strength will be torn away and become as those without grace. Hence, there's a necessity for constant watchfulness and prayer and dependence on the all-sufficiency of grace. All right, <clears throat> so uh, the picture here is that like a tent were covered, uh, 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 and that covering is God's grace, His protection. It protects us. You know, think of a kid or the men, father and son camping. You're out in the tent. How many have ever been in a tent? How many have ever slept overnight in a tent? And a storm came. And you got wet. Yeah, every time I sleep in a tent and it rains, I get wet. <laughs> So I bought a camper. <laughs> and now it's got a leak. <laughs> All right. The idea here is that, you know, it's like being in a tent during a storm, but not a flimsy tent that leaks. This is a tent made out of God's grace. All right. God Himself, His nature, tabernacling or covering us and protecting us and saying, hey, I've got you covered. Whatever the enemy sends against you, I can withstand it. Alright? We can't withstand it. I can't withstand it. But He can. He has the power inherent in His nature to defend us, to keep us safe. But I thought, you know what? It's still a tent. God's got something about tabernacles. He likes them. And I, and I had a sense that, you know what? In a tent, you can feel the fierceness of the storm. Come on. You can feel the intensity. I've spent many days, many times when I was a kid, we were out in the woods all the time, sleeping. We made our own camps. So, and the, the whole thing shaking, and the wind, and the lightning. <laughs> and it's scary, you know, but you're just safe in there. And I think there's something about that that is just real. We, he wants us. That's why we can experience fear, and we can ex, we can hear the the thunder. We can feel it. You know, we might even get a little wet sometimes, but we're covered, and that's the picture they want. And but we need to see that that grace 
is sufficient beyond measure, beyond anything that the enemy sends. It's kind of like a, a superpower tent, you know. It's like the costumes that the that lady made for the the superheroes in The Incredibles, you know. That's what I saw. It was like a tent fabric, you know. You rain, it keeps the rain off, right? And, you know, something like hail, no problem, you know. But watch this. And they shoot a missile at it, you know. It just bounces it back off, you know. It's like super fabric. <laughs> That's what God's grace is like. And so when whatever your weakness is, and, and, and the rest of the notes talk about different weaknesses, and Paul lists a number of weaknesses, insults, accusations, you know, all these, whatever it is, that's causing you difficulty. You have to understand God's grace is able, sufficient, not in part, but completely and exponentially able to be a barrier between that onslaught and whatever you're going through. Right now, just open your hearts, open your hands in prayer. All right? <clears throat> and uh, if you can think of a particular thing that's, that's troubling you, that's distressing you in your life, and if you can't, just, just open up and just lay your life down, you know, because the reality is we're all weak. And you don't want to wait until something that's insurmountable comes to recognize your weakness. You need to recognize your weakness now. Alright? You're weak. We're all dust. Our lives are like vapor. We're here today and gone tomorrow. And so we need to enter in and not lean on our own strengths, but lean on Him. So whatever, whatever difficulty you have, whatever thorn may be in your life, just, just hold that before the Lord right now and just look at it and say to it, say, God's grace, say out loud, God's grace, God's grace is, bigger is bigger than you. God's grace, God's grace is a sufficient, is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient for me in Jesus' name. I believe it. Amen. All right. Bill has some announcements. Come on up. Hey. Hello. I do have some announcements. First, if you're a guest with us today, I'd like to welcome you. We're glad to have you here. And uh, if you tear off the tear off section of your bulletin and take it to the connection counter right here in the back we have a gift for you just to show you how much we are happy you are here so today is life group signups it's an exciting day this is the last of the two weeks to sign up for life groups in your bulletin you'll find a list of all the groups and after service is done you can go to the family room on the other side of the partition and there are tables set up with lots of information and the leaders will be there to talk to so you can sign up for a group. This is the main way that we connect with each other because um, Sunday morning is not quite the same kind of connection for friendship and relationship. So it is a great thing and you should do it. And I should too. Um, so there are three sign-ups in your bulletin today. We have a sign-up spot on that connection card. Um, one of them is prayer for prodigals. If there's somebody who you know who was a Christian and has gone astray, we have a special day to pray for them. There's an insert in the bulletin that explains a little more and a sign-up spot, so check that out or see Lori Roy um, about that. Today, I think, is the last day to sign up for New Day South Carolina Women's Retreat, which is coming up in October. 
Um, and the third thing to sign up for is exploring membership. We have a meeting on the 12th, which is in just a couple of weeks. Um, if you're not a member and you would like to know what it means to be a member, this is a great opportunity. It comes with a free lunch. I know you've heard that there's no such thing as a free lunch. We are trying to debunk that myth in just a couple of weeks. But we would like you to sign up so we know how much food to provide. And you are not committing to anything by going, but you can commit when you're there if you wish. Sound good? Yeah, great. Thanks for answering. Um, so I'm hosting a father-son camping trip. Um, and the sign-up is over, and money is due this week. It is coming up in September. It's going to be really cool. Money is due because I'm reserving canoes and kayaks for our trip on the Manistee River. It's going to be really fun. So if you signed up for that, see me today. Um, one more thing. I don't see him at the moment. But James and Ashley got married. James Duke, yes. Yes, very good. It was in Minnesota, so you may or may not have been there. I don't know. It's a long drive. Um, but on the 4th, which I believe is next Saturday, they're having a reception and acknowledgement and get-together thing for those of us who couldn't make it. So for more information, see the bulletin board, or I think there's something on the connection counter as well um, if you need more info on that. I think I've covered announcements. Ushers, would you come forward? What we are going to do is pray for the offering, and as it goes, the life group leaders are going to come up and share a little bit about their life groups just to whet your appetite for sign-ups. So would you join me in a word of prayer for our offering? Lord, thank you so much that we have the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing, your kingdom, as it expands around the world and in Kalamazoo and in New Day Community Church. And I just pray that you would um, multiply our tithes and offerings as we give them um, to advance your kingdom and what you're doing here in our community of Kalamazoo and all around the world and the missionaries we support. And, uh, yeah, we just love you and give to you as an act of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. So life group leaders, please come forward. Make a line right along this stage. And what I'm going to do is ask you a question, interview style. So be thinking about how you're going to answer this question. What is one thing you are excited about regarding your life group? Because that's what I'm about to ask you. Everybody ready? This is going to be really fun. I'm going to start on this side. All right, so first, tell me your name and the name of your life group. Um, it's Bob and Sue Brower, and the name of the group is uh, Healing Life Group. And the most exciting thing to me is that some people who uh, m- might sign up will have a new, higher expectation to see healing when they pray uh, instantly or to learn how to uh, contend for it on a regular basis and uh, uh, I have more to say but okay (laughs) (laughs) if you want to hear the more she has to say find her at the table all right so what is your name in your life group Um, I'm Sharon Hughes Um, my life group is sunflower creations Um, we're knitting and crocheting for charity and I guess the most exciting thing I can think of is um, being able to give our gifts Mm -hmm. to those in need very cool Name, life group, and your excitement. My name is Diane Lindauer, and the life group is going to be a choir that um, will meet weekly and sing at our Christmas um, gathering. 
that we have. And the most exciting thing, I think, is to see people who we don't usually get to see singing really expressing themselves singing. It's very exciting and very fun to see who really steps up, and you're always amazed. Cool. Thank you. Your life group and your name. Um, My name is Kathy Taffel, and um, I'm leading the spa life group that's supplying positive affirmation for it's for a ladies group and the most exciting thing um, is just seeing people connect on a real level and get to know each other as friends all right your name and your life group and what you're excited about (laughs) my name's jennifer wiki hi jennifer wiki my group is a mom's play group Um, I'm really excited for two reasons one it gives the moms a chance to kind of have a break in the week get together with other moms fellowship talk um, get advice that sort of thing and it also gives the the kids a chance to connect with each other make friendships that are going to last hopefully for years and years and years and they you know they can have their own fellowship as children because they need it too very cool I'm Kathy Wright, and my group is the New Day Runners. I'm going to have to throw a walk in there somewhere because we're a bunch of people who either walk, run, or do a combination of walking and running every other week. And what I'm excited about is to see that sparkle in people's eye when they you know, accomplish a new goal. That is just the sweetest thing. That is good. I have the sparkle. <laughs> I'm Katie Duke. I lead the dance group, and freedom is my excitement. Sorry. Awesome. <laughs> Um, my name is Heather, and I'm helping lead the Prophetic Arts Group, and I'm excited about seeing people grow in talents that they haven't really grown in before. Yeah. Cool. Very good. Sarah. Hi. Hi. <laughs> you can't have it. camera says no. <coughs> uh, <laughs> I'm representing two groups today. Um, we are, my husband and I uh, lead the college group, and we meet at the Iglesia, which is a building in the Vine neighborhood. And so we have um, a spot represented for that. It's a young adult group. It's, uh, we do worship and a time for um, talking about God, and it's fellowship and outreach. We have a real heart to reach out to the Vine neighborhood, and I'm excited about that because it's growing, and it's amazing, and we're seeing people come in off the street from the Vine neighborhood and come and get connected in, and that's been absolutely amazing. And then um, our new group is Kingdom Foundations, and it's a group for people from New Day and people from the Iglesia of any age, high school and older. So you can be in high school or you can be retired. It doesn't matter. Um, And it's anyone, okay? So you're all welcome to sign up. And it's for um, learning uh, kingdom foundations like Bible foundations and um, kingdom principles like sonship and, um, you know, joining in the miraculous and seeing amazing things happen and getting a foundation in those things and getting equipped to just live your life out with God. And that life group's for everyone? Everyone has everyone. Been older, yep. Okay, good. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sue Yerdy, and I'm leading um, the New Testament in 90 group. It's a group that um, is going to be committed to reading through um, daily passages from the New Testament, about three or four chapters a day, so it's not a huge time commitment. And then we'll be discussing it on a weekly basis, and I'm just really excited about seeing what everybody else gets out of the Word that they can share. Great. That's in 90 minutes? 90 days. 90 days, right, right, right. Okay. It's also a speed reading course. That's what I thought. Hi, I'm Mark Urie. I'm leading the Indiana Jones Life Group. I'm leading the men's group, and we're going to meet every other Saturday. 
um, starting September 11th, and we're going to do lots of fun things, and our booth's back there, and I have lots of signatures, but we can use a lot more, so hope to see you there. Bye -bye. Great. Give our life group leaders a hand. You guys can go grab a seat. Oh, wait. Don't grab a seat.